It's holy ground. We are in the midst, in the presence of God. Oh God, wonderful God. We receive, we receive. this morning, just lift your hands to him and allow it to roll over you, pour over you from your head and down over your whole entire body, the oil of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. We receive, we receive it. Thank you for blessing us with your presence. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to you, God. We receive. We recognize your presence. Thank you for the angels all around us. Leading and guiding, ushering in the wonderful things you have in store for this church and for this city. Humbly, with fear and reverence, we receive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. reading from John 11:25 to 26 Jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this do you believe this life is a major theme and concept in the Gospel of John. And Jesus did not merely have the power to resurrect. His claim, I am the resurrection and the life, makes him the very source of resurrection and all life. Our Saviour came to earth to testify to God's truth, God's truth, the truth of the great I am. And yet he chose to feel what we feel. Jesus' life here on earth, his death on the cross and his resurrection was and is the way that God chooses to shower his mercy on us. And God, who is love, sacrificed his one and only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who performed the greatest act of love that the world 
will ever know. And so we can be encouraged by this verse today to know that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We don't have to wait till the end. We can have it right now. Resurrection and life. And the one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. Hallelujah. We believe in you, Lord Jesus. We believe that you are the resurrection and the life. Come live in us. Come dwell with us. Thank you that, that you are here right now. And that your grace is sufficient for us right now in this moment. Thank you that you have given us life and life more abundantly. And as Jesus ordained in the, in the institution of the Last Supper, he said, come, whenever you come together, take of the emblems of the bread and the cup in remembrance of me. And so this morning we come together in unity, in oneness, and most of all in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your body. We take of the bread in remembrance of you, Lord Jesus, your sacrifice, your humility. We take of the bread this morning with thanksgiving. And we remember that death was overcome that victory was yours when you were resurrected. Thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. Thank you for this blood which, which cleanses us and makes us whole. And as we partake of this, this cup this morning, we do so in remembrance of you, Jesus. This blood that brings us healing, wholeness, forgiveness, we drink of it this morning in remembrance of you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. We bless you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 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 Life giver, pour your life on me. Pour your life on your church, Lord. The resurrection life. The power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It is coming. Gary. Praise God. What a great Lord that we serve. Amen. 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 Someone's excited about it. <laughs> One person. Let me just start with... Um, reading a couple of verses from 2 Corinthians. Welcome to everyone that's joined us online. Uh, hopefully you can hear me okay today. 
I just want to read from 2 Corinthians 2 through to 4. It says, Grace, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Grace, favor, spiritual blessings to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of sympathy, pity, mercy, and the God who is the source of every comfort, consolation, and encouragement. Who comforts, consoles, and encourages us in every trouble, calamity, and affliction, so that we may be able to comfort, console, and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble or distress for the comfort, consolation, and encouragement with which we ourselves are comforted by God. What a good God we've got. He will strengthen us. He will encourage us. And I can assure you right now at this time, he is calling us to repentance and to reformation of his church. We've really got to start understanding this. The Queen passed away a couple of days ago. Whether you like the Queen or not, whether you think she was a Freemason or not, let me tell you the world is about to change, both in the physical and the spiritual. Get ready. We've been preaching the same message for I don't know how long. Get ready. Things are going to change, and not for the better. Please get ready. We've got to really start understanding this. We're not just preaching these messages for the sake of preaching a message. If we want to do that, we can stay home. We're trying to prepare an end time army. The Lord showed me a vision a couple of days ago and I'll share it with you shortly. But join me in the Lord's Prayer before we go any further. We're really going to start understanding this and declaring it over our lives and praying it and believing it. When the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to prophesy. No. Teach us how to heal. No. Teach us how to do, give a giving message. No. Teach us how to pray, is what they said. And his response was, say this, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Can someone just please grab Aunty Patty for me for a second? The Lord's got something for her right now. Today we're going to continue our series titled The Master Speaks to Us Today Through the Parables. These teachings, as we know, are based on Jesus' parables that describe the nature and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. I don't want to be a Christian. I want to be a kingdom person. And today we're going to talk about we need both the old and the new. Arnie Patty, God's got a word for you. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Keep doing what you're doing. You're hearing his voice. You're hearing his voice, and I know sometimes it upsets you because you grieve for others. But he's saying, keep going. Keep listening. Keep believing. Because he will bring restoration to others through you. Keep trusting him. Well done, good and faithful servant, is what he's saying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I had to share that with you straight away. 
Sorry I didn't catch you before you went out to children's church. I really feel the, the Holy Spirit here this morning. So today I'm going to talk about we need both the old and the new. I am sick and tired of pastors or people who call themselves pastors or evangelists or whatever they want to call themselves saying that the Old Testament is dead, we don't need it anymore. Guess what? Jesus preached from the Old Testament. So if you want to preach from the New Testament, great. But you also need the old. But this is a two-edged sword today. The Holy Spirit showed me a picture on Thursday and Friday. It was a picture of a diamond. It was a big diamond. And he said, have a look at it. And I said, Lord, it looks perfect. It's multifaceted. You know when diamonds are cut, you look at them from different angles and they look a little bit different, but this was perfect. He said, look closer. And inside it, there was another diamond. Inside the bigger one. I said, Lord, there's another one. What is it? And he said, I am the one inside. I am the one at the center. I am the one that people are searching for. So yes, Lord. But why the bigger diamond? And he said, look, he said, Gary, son, that is my church. It is precious. He said, but look closer. You know, when you look at diamonds, if you, if you look under a microscope, there's cracks inside it and there's perhaps little black spots, little bits of carbon. Often there's different colors. And I said, Lord, it, it looked perfect, but it's, when I look closer, it's got some faults. He said, that's my church. He said, but I'm at the center. I am at the center. I said, Lord, what does this mean? He says, some people have had a revelation. They picked up something new and they've run with it. And it's right. But they think it's for themselves. They think it's so special, they don't want to share it. But everything I give is for the body of Christ. Everything I give is for my church. So it's a two-edged sword today, this message. We need both the old and the new. There's a lot of people that need the old. There's a lot of people that have got the new, and they don't want to share it. They think they've received some special revelation and it's just for them. God only works through his church. We've got to be part of the church. And I might go into that a little bit more later. I'll see how he leads me today. But we need to remember, we, we sung the song last week, Jesus at the centre. Jesus at the centre. The church is his diamond. It's his precious thing. It was created for him. But at the centre, there he is. Now he's left some of the churches, we know that. Maybe he was never there to start with, but he needs to be at the center. He needs to be at the center of every one of our lives. Every one of our lives. I'm going to pray for our offering before I get too sidetracked today. If you've got your seed there and you're ready to sow, if you're watching online, the details will be on the bottom of the screen. If you've got a seed and you're ready to sow, let's pray together. Lord, help us to remember that Jesus is not merely a person in a book. Nor is he merely someone that lived and died. 
Help us to know that He is with us, even though we cannot see Him, and that through His Spirit, through His gift of the Holy Spirit, He can warn us in our times of temptation and help us in our times of struggle. May we realize that He is present as we bring our tithes and offerings. Help us, Lord, to give because we love our Saviour. Not just because we know He is aware of how much we give. May we, because we love Him dearly, love the people whom He loves, even the whole world, including those who have not yet come into a saving relationship with our Saviour. Bless this offering today as we give it, Lord, that it might be used to tell people everywhere the old story that is forever new. That Jesus is God and that he died for our sins. And it is in his name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. That old story that is forever new. I cannot believe in this day and age that there are still people who want to call themselves ministers of the Lord that are preaching that the Old Testament doesn't exist. They are not the ones that are going to hear well done, good and faithful servant when they get to heaven. And there's probably a couple of them watching this morning and you know my phone number if you've got an issue. We can debate this through the week. The text we're going to concentrate on today is Matthew 13, 52. It says, Then he said to them, Therefore every scribe is instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven, is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things that are new and old. Who's moved house recently? A few of us have. Yeah, when you're going through your stuff, there's some old stuff there and there's some new, right? And maybe photos. Or it might be things that bring back memories of old times when you look at them. And you think to yourself, I can't throw this away. There's ministers throwing away the Old Testament. The scriptures we're going to work through are Matthew 13, 51 to 33. I love this piece of scripture. Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes, Lord. He said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. And then he goes on to talk, to talk about when Jesus was rejected at Nazareth. Verse 53, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. If I said to you this morning, have you understood all the things we've preached over the last year? Would you say yes? That's what the disciples did, but I actually think they did understand a lot of it. When Jesus finished the, the series of parables, remember he preached them all one after another, in Matthew 13, he added one summary. He inquired as to how much of what he had said and been saying was actually comprehended by his listeners. I know it doesn't happen in this church, but you know some people just go to church and sit there to tick a box to say they're a Christian, but they don't actually listen. And you've all heard me say it so many times, I can't do your listening for you. I can't do your hearing for you. 
You have to grab it and run with it yourself. To his question as to whether or not his disciples understood all of these things, they immediately replied in Matthew 13.51, Yes, we understand. It's like saying, do you love the Lord? Yes. Do you obey what he says? Mm, sometimes. Not really. Do you bring your seed to the storehouse? Yes. Actually, once a year maybe. Sometimes twice a year. That's not what he's saying. Whether or not they actually did understand, we don't know, but I think we can make a pretty fair assumption, right? In all probability, they'd caught something of his message. But there was much more to it than what they realised. My prayer is that over the last six weeks, seven weeks, when we've been talking about the parables, you've all caught something out of it. You've all grabbed hold of something from the parables because they all say the same thing. They're all about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't debate with them any more than he did with the rich young ruler who insisted that he had kept all the commandments from his youth. You'll notice I don't debate with people about scriptures because I was once taught by a very wise pastor. Arguing with people over scripture is like playing chess with a pigeon. The pigeon's going to think he's won. He's going to kick all the chess pieces over and probably poop on the board. No point arguing about scripture with people who don't obey it. It's a pointless exercise. Try arguing with, about scripture with someone from the world. They probably know the Bible better than most of us because they want to twist it back on us. It's a pointless exercise. We used to have a person in the church who wanted to be a theologian. Wanted to be able to be able to argue apologetics but never read the Bible themselves. Not really going to work that well, is it? We've been given this. You know, if we all put an effort in and read for I think it's between 12 and 15 minutes a day, the Bible, even the Amplified Version, we'd read it in a year, easily, in 12 to 15 minutes a day. There's a challenge for you. Instead of debating and arguing, Jesus went on to make a point that he felt was significant. The point, the first one, is the old is important. We went to the 60th birthday dinner for Full Gospel Australia, who we're part of, on Thursday night. There was a lady we met there. In fact, Amanda's been invited down to Lake Macquarie to preach in her church. We, we got lots of invitations to preach. It's quite amazing. Clearly no one's scared of COVID anymore. There was a lady down there who's 86 years old and still planting churches. This is a person who would walk into most churches and be disregarded straight away. The average age of the ministers in that room would have been late 60s and early 70s. Still pastoring, still planting churches, still praying for reformation. They believe the same of us as us. Repentance, reformation, revival. It was awesome, wasn't it? It was awesome. There's so much wisdom in that room. You could feel it when you walked in. And different nationalities, that's right. 
very similar to this church. Different states, different nationalities, different ages. We were probably on the, we were one of the youngest couples there, which is amazing. I, I wish everyone could have been there. There was so much wisdom. And watching these people, you know, we have pastors on the Gold Coast. There's a group of them that meet every week for coffee at a particular coffee shop. They're the grandfathers of the faith in this city who no longer even go to church themselves. Yet there's an 86-year-old lady down in Lake Macquarie planting churches, loving the Lord, praying for reformation, seeing people saved. Retirement for ministers, in fact, retirement for all of us should be graduation to heaven. Don't give up preaching the word. Don't give up seeking souls. We're in such an important time. People don't realize what's happened in the last couple of days. The world is about to pivot. Everything that's been held back over the last couple of years, guess what? The floodgates have been opened. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. I'm almost sick and tired of preaching the message, get ready for it. But we've got to get it. Yeah, we can't move on with what God's got for us until we've actually got what He's already given us. We've got to understand this. The truth in the Old Testament is timeless. It's literally as old as the hills. A part of the treasure God gives us is of that great heritage. Where would we be now if Abraham didn't step up? If Noah didn't start building an ark and there was no rain? And everyone's saying, what are you doing that for, Noah? What's wrong with you? What if Moses was disobedient? Where would we be now? Yet people say, oh, the Old Testament is irrelevant. Don't worry about that anymore. Yes, I know, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus, it's hard to read. But how do you eat an elephant? Piece by piece. <laughs> Bite a piece off and start chewing on it. This is how we should read the Bible. Read, read a scripture or two and then spend the day meditating on it, talking to the Lord. Lord, what's it mean? Where do I fit into this? You're telling me I can't eat prawns anymore. Lord, I don't know about that. But yeah, we've got to get this. The Levitical law was there for a reason. We had a discussion with someone just the other day about why we shouldn't eat different things. Because they're scavengers. It was to keep people healthy. Why were the lepers forced to be away from everyone else? To keep everyone else safe. This is a great heritage that's been given to us. Jesus reached into the Old Testament for much of his teaching. He didn't have the New Testament. He was it. <laughs> Just... Yes, Lord. Scarcely anything can be found coming from the mouth of Jesus that does not have its roots deep in Jewish faith. You've heard myself, Pastor Amanda, Pastor Ramel, Pastor Di all say over the last few weeks, and without talking about it to each other. We've got to stop thinking Greek. We've got to start thinking like the Hebrews thought. 
And it's not as easy as you think. We've been raised with Socrates and Plato and these mindsets that are not the right way we should think as the church. I'm not saying we should all go and become Jews because that's not as easy as you would like it to be. And I wouldn't encourage it. We're not Jewish, we're Gentiles. Except for Nick, he's got Jewish blood. <laughs> but we, and Gloria. But we need to keep our eye on what's happening to Israel and in Israel. I love that these New Testament ministers, they preach whatever they preach, but then they say, but in Israel this is happening. Well, if you're New Testament, what are you worried about what they're doing? Jesus insisted that he did not come to destroy the law. That sort of discounts any, the Old Testament has gone theology, doesn't it? He did not come to discount the law. He loved old things. He built his teaching on truths that had been accepted for centuries. Wise people listened to the voices of those who have lived for a long time. We were so tired on Thursday night. We just, we just wanted to come home. It's been a big week, but there's all these wise ministers around us wanting to talk to us. And You know what, what I found absolutely amazing? When you go to a conference with, with churches and pastors, everyone normally asks, how big is your church? That's the first thing they ask you. Not once did that question get asked because it's not about the size of the church. It's about the size of the God in the church. I serve a huge God with a huge faith who's ready to deliver huge blessings for us when we actually get what he's already given us. Listening to these older ministers was amazing. Absolutely amazing. You could, you could feel the wisdom and the knowledge that God's given them just oozing out of them. We need to start listening to those who have been there before us. Experience is the best teacher. Actually, experience could be said to be the only teacher. I'm one of those people, I could sit in school and read books and everything, but until I actually did it and experienced it, I didn't learn it. I made most of my mistakes by messing things up. And I learned from it, eventually. Eventually. I don't know how we can have... Another sacred cow. <laughs> I don't know how we can have emerging leaders in churches that are in their teens becoming pastors that have never lived life. How do you sit next to a drug addict or an alcoholic or a prostitute and say Jesus loves you when you haven't experienced it? When you've come straight from school to Bible college to being a youth pastor? You've got to live life to learn the mistakes. One of the benefits we have as ministers is no one can come to us and say, well, you don't know my life. You haven't experienced what I have. It's like, well, you know what? Between us, we probably have. I don't know too many ministers on the Gold Coast who have sat down with a boy soldier from Burundi and heard about how his two brothers died and he was tortured. But I have. We've got to learn from mistakes. We've got to learn from experience. 
Whether we learn anything from any source except experience may be debatable. Some people are bookworms. Some people can learn by just reading. I envy you. You don't, probably don't need the same, make the same mistakes and experience the same things as I have. But we can learn a lot from the past, can't we? I've just read three books, starting on a fourth one. Each and every one of them says the same thing. None of them, only the last one, which I've started reading, I've paid for. The rest have been given to me by different people. They all say we've got to stop thinking Greek. Start thinking Hebrew. Everyone says, you know, God's doing a new thing. Yes. The new thing is the old thing that we were supposed to be doing from the start, which we decided to start doing something else because we wanted to fill our churches up with people. We wanted to have professional musicians. We wanted to have big screens, skinny jeans and smoke machines. Because with that comes big offerings and business people coming in wanting to support it because they want their name up in lights as well. The true meaning of a conservative is not an old, anti-progressive killjoy that who refuses to accept anything new. That's what the media would have you believe it is. A true conservative is someone who wishes to conserve the good things of the past. I was once asked by our old pastor, do you believe you're a conservative type of minister or are you more progressive? I said, I'm absolutely conservative. Because progressive Christianity is a cancer on the church. Progressive Christianity says that gay marriage is okay. Among other things. The kingdom of God is bold on that which has been tested and proved. The kingdom of God is built on that which is tested and proved. Second thing is, Jesus brought us something new, didn't he? He did bring us something new. Although our master did not intend for those who came to him to forget all that they knew, at the same time he demanded that they see their previous knowledge in a new light and use it in a new service. Who would want to attend a church run by the Pharisees? There's plenty of them on the Gold Coast, I can tell you. There's plenty of Pharisees preaching right now in our city. When we do this, when we see this new thing that he's brought us in a new light and use it in a new service, life becomes greater than it ever was previously. Our life should be getting better every day, every week, every year. As we serve the Lord, yes, we will go through some tough things. Yes, everything might fall down at some stage. But there's a reason for it. He's got better for us. We're meant to be growing. We've got to get ready, church. We keep praying for a revival. <laughs> Can't we just pray for reformation and be obedient to the word of God to start with? The moral plumb line has been dropped, and that is Jesus. We, where we stand is up to us. As for me and my family, 
We shall serve the Lord. I want revival just as much as everyone else. But we need reformation. We've got to start being obedient. We've got to start listening to what he says. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart that he's got so much more for us, but we've just got to accept what he's already given us. So many new things are happening every day. Christianity does not demand or even suggest that we try to halt the world's progress. Can you find anywhere in your Bible where it says we're supposed to halt what they're doing out there? It doesn't say it. It says we will have trials and tribulations in this world. Yet we keep praying against it. Lord, don't let this happen. Don't... God was not surprised that COVID happened. I can tell you that. I don't know any prophets that prophesied that it was coming either. They all had plenty to say after it. Christianity does not demand that we halt what happens out there. Life will go on. New methods of doing things will be discovered. Not that many years ago, people wouldn't be live streaming their services. In fact, two years ago, most churches weren't live streaming their services. And then all of a sudden, they had to. Wasn't COVID a good thing for that? How many more people get to see the gospel preached every Sunday? The casino was closed for two years. Isn't that a good thing? The brothels and the pubs on the Gold Coast were closed. That's good. We pray that they close again. Life goes on. And new approaches in every field would make the previous ones outdated. In the realm of the moral and the spiritual, however, we will never improve on our Saviour's message. I'm going to say that again because some people need to hear it. We will never improve on our Saviour's message. We try putting ourselves into it, we're making a mistake. We're trying to interpret it for something different to what it says. We're making a mistake. His message says what it says. Based on the Old Testament, but adding life and spirit to it, Jesus gives away, or gives us a way of life that can cope with new conditions as they arise. You ever wondered how humanity is still here? We've tried to wipe ourselves out so many times. But he's given us a way to cope, hasn't he? How has the church lasted so long with all the persecution? We've coped. We've found new ways of doing things. We've met three ministers from China who between them have over 80, 80 million people in their churches. They don't have a location where they meet each week. If the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you there, you're not going to church. They can't advertise where their church is in China. They'll get locked up. 80 million. Four times the population of Australia. They don't need a website saying we meet at 23T Peters Drive at Broadbeach. 
we find new ways of doing things. If that happened here in Australia, and it could, would we get to church? Would we even bother trying to get to church? Or we just say, oh, it's too hard. One service we missed during COVID. One. Because we had COVID. It's only a few months ago some churches were starting to open up again. Where do their people go? I can tell you that 70% of Christians in Victoria, I don't know about Queensland, but in Victoria, never went back to church when the churches opened. 70%. It'll make it easier to set up. We'd only have to put out a handful of chairs if we did that. We wouldn't need sound system. We could all just sit in a little huddle. That's sickening. We're meant to cope and improve and keep preaching the word of God. Not make excuses that Chairman Dan or Queen Anastasia said we can't meet. I serve the king. When a person declares themselves for Christ, they don't always give up things. But sometimes they use them for the glory of God's kingdom. When I met the Lord, I didn't give up my fighting spirit. I just now use it for Him. I didn't give up the fact that I can argue if I need to. But now I use it for Him. We don't have to give up things. Everyone thinks you become a Christian. And we've got to give up all the stuff here. That's not what the Word says. A man in business does not necessarily give up his business. Unless it's an absolutely wicked one. Instead, he runs it as a Christian should. Unless you're in the situation like we were, where God said, sell your business as you're going into full-time ministry. It's like, Lord, you're asking us to sell our income. He's like, I've got your back. Do it. You know, we haven't lacked once. He's always given us just enough. Because he's never early and he's never late. He's always just on time. In whatever field we're in, we can use the gifts and talents that make us successful in that field to further the work of the Lord. I love that we've got cakes and food and things every week for morning tea. Some people are really good at baking. They're serving the Lord. Those countries that have accepted Christ and the light of the gospel have been those which have been more creative and innovative in discovering new things. Think about it. Christian countries, and I'm just going to say it, Christian countries have been more innovative and moved more forward than Muslim countries, haven't they? How's Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran going at the moment? There's some incredibly intelligent people in those countries. But they're not that innovative, are they? They're not discovering new things. They're stuck in a mindset that we have to that get the infidels. They're stuck in that mindset. Why is this? Because Jesus is the truth. And the truth always moves forward. 
You've seen people within this church body over the years, they can come so far, they'll accept so much of the truth and then they'll drop away. The truth keeps moving forward. It doesn't stop. The army of the living God keeps marching forward. It doesn't stop. Let me encourage you, keep up. Keep up. It was explained or described to me a couple of months ago by Apostle Shenley. He says, you know, when you're climbing Mount Everest, everyone's tied together. And if the ones at the back are lagging behind, the ones at the front can't go back and get them. You've got a choice. You drag them for as far as you can or you leave them. I don't want to see anyone left behind. So get ready and keep up. I'm sorry if that upsets anyone, but keep up. We're running out of time. Yeah, tomorrow's not guaranteed. If we pass away today, there's no praying people into heaven tomorrow. It's the Catholic Church that believes that. Once we're dead, we're dead. It's too late. We shouldn't fear that the gospel can't defend itself when it's investigated and examined. If someone truly looks at what the gospel says, they have to accept that Christ is our saviour. In fact, Jesus invited people to investigate his teachings, didn't he? He said in John 7, 17, If anyone wills to do his will... He shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. So whatever you're doing in your life and you believe it's God's will, if it doesn't measure up to what's in here, it's your will. When Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? The Saviour might have replied, truth is that which gives an inner person, sorry, gives a person inner security because he is willing to accept the realities of the past, but is also willing to receive new revelations, examine them, give allegiance to them, and see whether they're worthy of acceptance. Have you ever had someone say to you, and I'm sure you all have, God's given me this new revelation, and it's a special download, and, you know, it, it's, We've got to keep it secret, though, because not everyone will understand it. Let me tell you, that ain't God. We all know people like that. That is not God. Because if he gives you something, it's for his body. It's not just for you. If he, if he gives you something, Pastor Len Russo a few weeks ago said it, he cracked me up. He goes, you know, if you've got a word and you think it's for the church, just take a step back because it's probably for you. But if he gives you a revelation of something, that's for the body. Jesus brought us a kingdom of truth because he himself was and is the truth. He didn't lie. This means more than just the fact that he never told a lie though. When Jesus made this great claim about himself, he meant that he was the fullness of the fatherhood. Come to earth in human form. People had been searching for centuries to understand what God was like. 
All they had to do was look at Jesus. If you want to understand now what God is like, read this. Jesus came to earth to show them the truth about God because he himself was and is God. He came to make all things new. Not quite yet, please. He came to make all things new. Revelation 21.5 says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. You know your old self, before you met Christ, is dead? You know, there's two Garys. There's the BC Gary before Christ. And then there's the after the death of Gary. The old must have a new birth. The old must have a new birth. The transition from old life to new is by means of a spiritual birth, isn't it? Let me encourage you, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today's a good day. Although many metaphors and figures of speech are used in the New Testament to describe Christian life, one constant figure describes the entrance upon the new life. And that's the birth from above. And Paul used the same figure of speech in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things, not some, not a couple. All things have become new. Paul combined both the old and new when he said, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is the supreme truth of the gospel. Paul's previous statement must, of course, be interpreted in the light of, of other truths. The old things that he's talking about are the sinful things that passed away. They've been forgiven. They've been washed in the blood of the Saviour. As believers, we shouldn't be sinning. Yes, we'll make mistakes, we'll mess up, but it shouldn't be our nature. And that's not inconsistent with saying that Jesus can use the old things in our life and build on them. Whatever you used to do in your past, if you were a school teacher in your past, you can still be a school teacher. If you were in business in your past, you can still be in business. If you're a drug dealer in your past, not such a great idea if you're a believer. Maybe you can use those sales skills to approach people with the gospel. Not all old things are sinful. And this gets to the root of today's message. There's ministers that are essentially saying the Old Testament is sinful. It's the law. I'm covered by grace. Yep, greasy grace is a slippery slope into hell. That's where we get universalism from, where there's more than one way to God. You know, that gets preached in Christian churches here on the Gold Coast. Just do as you please. God loves you. They're leading people to hell. 
Not all old things are sinful. They may be inadequate, or they may be incomplete, but God can incorporate them into Jesus Christ and use them. If they're sinful, they must, of course, be eliminated. If you're a drug dealer, and you say you know Christ, that needs to be eliminated. If you swear every second word, like most Australians do, and you say you believe in Christ, that needs to stop. That's sinful. If you say you believe in Christ and you're in prostitution, and we know some of these ladies, and they know they need to stop, and they will, they just need to have that revelation that Christ is saying, stop. It should be emphasized again, however, that in Christ, all things, all things become new. Let me tell you, some of the best evangelists I know are ex-drug dealers. One minute they're slinging crack, the next minute they're slinging Christ. And they're leading people to Christ. They have that relationship with Christ. They've kept their old skills, they've just cleaned them up and used them for good. Some of the best evangelists we know and, and pastoral care people are ex-prostitutes because they know how to care for people. Once they get cleaned up, once those scales are removed, they're doing it for Christ. You can start now, Graham, if you like, please. As we finish, this parable was not meant to be a theological statement. It was meant to be a practical one. Jesus concluded in his teachings that the parables on this occasion with one, he concluded, sorry, this parable with one that would combine and interpret all the others. This is the last of the parables. Wherever truth is found, Jesus is present. If a demon tells you the truth, is it the truth? No, because demons can't tell the truth. But I heard Jesus. Well, no, I don't think Jesus said that. If it's not in the Bible, and if it's sin and it was in the Bible and Jesus is telling you to do it, that's a whole different Jesus. Not the one that we preached, not the one that's written about in our Bibles. Wherever truth is found, Jesus is present. A wise follower of Jesus will give proper respect to the past. I'm talking to you pastors online that think the Old Testament doesn't exist anymore. A wise follower of Jesus will give a proper respect to the past and evaluate it in terms of its relationship to Jesus. He taught from the Old Testament wise follower of Jesus will do what it says and where the Spirit leads. I can assure you, if you think the Old Testament is a waste of time, you're preaching a whole nother Jesus. A wise person will accept the truth in Jesus because He is the truth. If it's good enough for Him, it's got to be good enough for us. Imagine 
Some of you heard me say this so many times. Imagine if we just did what Jesus did. How we would change the world in a really fast time. If we just did what he did. If we're walking along the street and our shadow crosses across one of the homeless people and they leap up. We need to be a church that's singing and dancing and leaping for joy. You know how many people I see walking to church and it's like, oh, I'm at church, oh, woe to me. Not this church. Not this church, but other churches. We're supposed to be the light in people's lives. Why do we look so miserable all the time? Singing and dancing and leaping for joy. I'm a bit scared to leap too much because last time I did, the speakers started making a noise. We've got to accept Jesus as the truth. In Him we can build our lives with assurance and we can find security knowing that He is God. And in Him, God's truth has come to earth in human form. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. I'm probably already some phone calls through the week, so I'm going to leave it at that. Let me encourage you, church, whether you're watching online or you're here physically, Jesus is the truth. If someone is saying to you, or if you even believe yourself that the Old Testament is a waste of time and it's been done away with, let us pray for you. Ask Jesus what he thinks about it. If you think that the Old Testament is a waste of time, you need to come this afternoon and you need to listen to Pastor Ramel's message because your head will spin. And then we will cast that thing out of you. Lord, we thank you that we can gather. Lord, we thank you that we can laugh in church because church should be a happy place. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we, as a family, families can laugh together, right? We can cry together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We love you. Lord, we love the Old Testament as well because that's what you preached. Lord, even Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you just love us. That you want us, Lord. You want us. We were created for your pleasure. Lord, for those that couldn't be here this morning, we lift them up to you. Lord, for those that are suffering lack, we lift them up to you. For those, Lord, that have got an illness, we lift them up to you this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name, whatever's holding them back is broken off. It's broken off, Lord. The glory is yours. We thank you, Lord, that we have... Hmm. We're going to see as we have the last couple of weeks with Pastor Amanda. We're going to see people that just, in our workplaces and at the supermarkets and wherever we are, people are saying, hey, tell me about this God of yours. We're going to see it. Our response needs to be, yes, Lord, I will talk to that person. 
We saw it yesterday. A lady we've been praying for in our Saturday morning meetings and here at church for a few weeks now. Come to our prayer meeting. She says, we meet at six o'clock on a Saturday morning. She says to her husband as she's getting out of bed, he says, where are you going? So he hadn't told her, obviously. Where are you going? I'm going to the prayer meeting. His response was, do you believe in God now? She said, yes, I do. Get ready. That's the sort of thing we're going to see. You need to be ready for it. We can't be the ones going and talking to people about Christ all the time. We can't do them all. But together, we can. Imagine, imagine this. If each of us invited one new person to church a month, one person, and we discipled them, and they stayed, and a month later they invited someone else, we'd have to buy more speakers and have them outside to hold all the people. This might be a little bit evangelistic. But why aren't we talking to people about Christ? Why aren't we inviting people to church? Are we embarrassed? Are we embarrassed by church? Are we embarrassed by our faith? Are we embarrassed by God? I, I can't answer that for you. And I know just about everyone here is talking to people about Christ all the time. But let's start praying together that some of the seeds that we're sowing get watered. We do want to reap. And you know what? If we, even if we don't get to reap these seeds, the children in ch children's church can. We're sowing seeds for them. Lord, we thank you. The glory is yours, Lord. The glory is yours. I can see Pastor Amanda chomping at the bit. I think she's got something to say. <laughs> you do. Come up. Thank you, Lord. I do have something to say. That was a great message, apart from that. I do have something to say. I saw this vision of Noah's Ark while, while Gary was bringing the message today. And... And the Lord was just speaking to me through the service, and it's a message for the church. You know, we're here as a, as a body of, of believers that God has brought every single one of you in for a specific purpose and reason right now for such a time as this. And so now we need to walk in the full anointing of the Lord God Almighty. There needs to be a shift out of unbelief into belief. You need to harness the, the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you, that your very shadow as you pass by somebody in the street or in your, in your shopping centre, local shopping centre, that your very shadow carries an anointing to bring truth and revelation of Jesus. So thank you, Lord, for showing me that we are actually in an ark right now. And, and it's like we've been preserved. We are the faithful ones. We are the obedient ones. We are the called out ones. 
We are the ones who have not given up, even when everyone around us, left, right and centre, have fallen over, have given up, have said, oh no, it's not for today. But I'm telling you, you are in the ark. We are the army of the almighty God. And he needs, he, no, actually he doesn't need you, but he wants you because he has chosen you a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a people of many nationalities with a heritage of faith that you have lived and walked in over over decades, most of you, decades. And so, Lord God, thank you for this encouraging vision that you gave me. And Lord, as I've described it to the church, I pray, Lord God, that you activate within each man, woman and child in this in this ark a, a comprehension, an understanding, a belief that they can shift, that we can shift from, from unbelief into belief that the kingdom of God is at hand and we merely just need to open our mouths in faith and authority and power and might that your kingdom will be released and will be made manifest and will be made known in this great nation of Australia and to the uttermost ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord. We look not with our natural eyes, but we look to you, God of miracles. I believe in miracles. Do you believe in miracles? Are you ready to grab hold of the miracle that is within you? For you are the very substance of God. You are a miracle. Hallelujah. And every circumstance and situation and thing that you have overcome, you have victory in to now uh, bring and, uh, and infiltrate this lost and dark and dying world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your lessons, for your anointing and for your blessings. And we receive your power. And faith rises and hope rises this morning in this place in each one of us. Hallelujah and glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.